Welcome to the Inspiring Social Entrepreneurs Podcast. My name is Fregel Byrne. Every week, I talk to inspiring social entrepreneurs and changemakers dedicated to building a better world. Here, they tell their stories, the highs and the lows, and share what they have learned to help other social entrepreneurs and changemakers on their journeys. I'm very pleased today to welcome Narayan Takal to the Inspiring Social Entrepreneurs Podcast. Narayan is Executive Director at Echo Himal Nepal, a Nepalese NGO founded in 2009 with the goal of achieving sustainable development through community empowerment in mountain areas in Nepal. Thank you very much, Narayan, for joining me today on the Aspiring Social Entrepreneurs podcast. Yes, I'm very happy. Thank you so much for giving me opportunity and your time. And I'm very happy to talk with you. Excellent. Well, I'm looking forward to talking to you about the work that you're doing in yes. Nepal, uh, in the Himalayas, about... Uh, how your your organization works and some of the the, the big challenges that uh, yeah. uh, the uh, people face in in Nepal, some of the economic problems, some of the uh, ecological problems, and environmental problems. Maybe just before we start, can you tell us a little bit about uh, Eco Himal, uh, its scope and focus, and then maybe a little bit about your background and why you decided to set up this organization. Okay, okay. Just I'll start. Uh, because uh, originally, Eco Himal uh, is established in Austria in 1990, 1991. So, Eco Himal started working in Nepal from 1992. So, that is uh, INGO based on Austria, and uh, we were working uh, here in Nepal as a uh, kind of INGO before. So I, my involvement was from 1993 with the Eco Himal as a consultant because I was a civil servant in the beginning, so a very short-term civil servant. And then I quitted the job and I was in tourism. So basically when I quitted my job, so academically I was a master, first master was in uh, commerce. It was a business. So it is called master in commerce. So that's uh, now it is management. And uh, I was... Uh, uh, kind of uh, working in my uh, village as a civil servant and I did, uh, was not satisfied with the job, uh, with the government job because people come for the service and they expect something from our side but we never uh, can fulfill or deliver the service. So I was a little bit upset and I resigned on that and I came to Kathmandu uh, for my village and I started studying my uh, master's degree and also work with the tourism. So uh, that's why I started uh, the different job or private job in tourism. So I worked for seven years in tourism. And then during that tenure, I was connected with the Eco Himal. Uh, it's as a INGO. And I like the idea what they are, you know, people are serving. And then uh, from 1999, uh, November, I started a regular job in uh, Eco Himal uh, Austria as a uh, chief finance and admin officer. Uh, because I was um, uh, in the first uh, ma master in uh, finance and uh, accounting. So, and then uh, when I started working with this, from 2000, uh, January, I was a regular uh, staff as a uh, um, department head. And then I started uh, uh, sort of thinking, why, why can't I look after the project? Uh, so why I should uh, stay uh, kind of uh, uh, within a frame of finance or accounting. So I started looking after the project from 2001 and I upgraded myself in rural development. I did my another master in rural development. And so 
uh, from 2004, I started designing the project and uh, implementing projects. So uh, in Lokim, Solukhumbu, uh, one of my first bigger project, we got that project from Austrian Development Agency. Uh, it was a, a basic need project. We call it basic need. I, I have combined education, agriculture, health, and the uh, physical infrastructure and institutional development. Five components I combined and designed that project. And that was uh, in the insurgency period. As you know, in, we have a Maoist insurgency that period. So uh, when we just finished the insurgency, project was completed and every uh, political leader and the community was very happy with the impact of the project. And after that, I started designing uh, other projects. So my expertise is basically in integrated projects. So I'm uh, kind of interested to uh, integrate the different basic needs of the local community. Because in uh, Nepal, uh, still we are talking about the handwashing, we are still talking about the open defecation free zone. Uh, the poverty is really um, a difficult situation due to um, uh, the remoteness of the area. So uh, that is my background. And then I started uh, working with uh, Eco Himal, but in 2009, uh, we have decided uh, we uh, work because uh, as a INGO in Nepal, there was a new regulation that uh, INGO cannot go directly to the community and work with the community. So we decided, okay, let's open Eco Himal Nepal. And so it is, uh, and then we established Eco Himal Nepal in 2009. I am the founder member and executive director from 2009 in this organization. So still Eco Himal Austria exists in Austria and they are supporting us. And as a uh, Eco Himal Nepal, we were a little bit uh, free to connect uh, or to contact other donors, to work with other donors. So by then, we are working with different donors as Ecohimal uh, Nepal, different entity. So still Ecohimal Austria exists and we have different uh, Ecohimals now because uh, from our influence, Ecohimal Nepal influence, there is Ecohimal Italy. Recently, we have opened Ecohimal um, Germany, Munich, and other donors. So this is the uh, how you say Ecohimal Nepal uh, established, and we are working. So, so it is the short background, and basically we are working in uh, four sector. Uh, that is one is uh, uh, health. Health is uh, health and environment. We are working, and then second is education. So. Um, because we consider education is the uh, base of the development and third is agriculture and climate change or uh, environment. So we more talk about the agroecology and green economy uh, instead of um, uh, empowering the monoculture or mono farming, uh, this type of thing we are discouraging. So we are promoting small holding farmers for sustainability. And the good thing to connect uh, is as a background is during this COVID pandemic, what we found is uh, for the sustainability, small holding farmers should be uh, sustainable and they can um, kind of contribute uh, in a sustainable development and food security if we can empower them. So this is uh, a learn from this COVID-19 uh, in the period. Uh, so this is the short background of uh, uh, Eco Himal and uh, we are working with a different organization like in uh, UK, we are working with the Glacier Trust. We have a history, long history with them. We started already working before Glacier Trust started in 2007. I met the um, co 
founder of that organization. And then we are working with Dr. Morgan now. Uh, he's doing very nice, uh, I think, uh, uh, in terms of development and environment. So we are working with Ecoimal uh, South Tyrol. We are working with Help Alliance. This is uh, uh, created by the Lufthansa uh, Air. Um, is a social uh, corporate uh, so, uh, responsibility organization. And then we are working in um, Munich uh, shortly, and there is other organization like uh, okay. uh, yeah. local yeah. government organization. Yeah. Very interesting, very interesting. So can you tell me a little bit more about what, what are the specific problems that uh, Ecohimal is aiming to deal with? And, and yeah, a little think, bit of the context of, of how things are in the regions where you're working, what are the specific problems and, and how you decide what kind of problems that you can help with and what kind of problems you can't help with. Okay. Uh, uh, when he started working initially, the problem uh, became changed. Now, uh, before it was a poverty, mainly we are dealing about the poverty and political instability because uh, uh, we never... Uh, had a government that have uh, fulfilled their tenure. So every eight or nine months, government was changing and there was no nice policy and the poverty was the main thing in the beginning. Now the scenario is a little bit changed and from last uh, decade or um, more than last one decade, uh, there is a, a problem of the youth migration. So because of the poverty, youth are migrating from uh, rural area to a little bit uh, urban area and then to above. So uh, this is one major uh, problem. And second thing is, uh, uh, since there is no youth, the whole uh, land system or farming system is left to the uh, women or uh, the senior citizens. So the farming is uh, uh, somehow uh, going uh, down and down. So productivity is uh, uh, getting less and less. So the fertile land is becoming a barren land. So that is another problem. And third thing is education, because our education system is not exactly the system that we can utilize in our life. So education is for certificate, and then people get educated and uh, uh, they seek for a job. And it's uh, exactly not appropriate education. When they got any job or opportunity, they will not able to perform the duty. Or uh, the education is not uh, the vocational education that they can do their own things. So this education system is um, kind of problem for us. And now it is in an improving trend. So uh, considering this problem, uh, also a geographical problem, like uh, we have uh, no road connection, no electricity, no real drinking water facilities. So these are the major problem we are encountering. And basically we are working in mid-hill and the mountain and not in the Tarai. Um, and there is a similar problem, but we are working basically where there is no road access or connect connectivity problem and communication problem. So these are the major problems uh, in Nepal. Very, very important work. Can you tell us a little bit about the, the environmental issues that you're dealing with in particular? Uh, yes, uh, and considering the environment, we are uh, in Nepal as a being a small and mountain countries, we are victim of the uh, the environment climate change because we are not doing that harm in the climate change, but we are doing uh, we are victimized from the outside what uh, other countries or other uh, people are doing. Now the uh, mountain are melting, this glacier are melting, and the uh, crop pattern is changed, uh, animal uh, pattern is changed, like. 
Uh, just to give you an example, we have a very rich rhododendron. Uh, we have at least uh, uh, 20, 25 types of rhododendron. Uh, the normally, um, we uh, have experience of flowering of rhododendron in um, uh, March, April. So it was the exactly uh, spring tourist season, and then people used to come to see the rhododendron. Now, this uh, flowering pattern is changed, and now we see already in January, it is flowering, and it is not sustained. Similarly, the crop pattern is going up and up. Before, uh, up to 1,000, we used to grow orange. But now, the orange line is 1,400. Originally, we started coffee from 800 meter to 1,000 meter. Now, we are growing coffee on 1,600 meter. So there is some benefit also, but mostly the rain pattern is changed. So there is no certainty of the rain pattern. And most of the crop or agriculture is rain-fed agriculture in Nepal. So people has a sort of loss that they have to go in a regular routine and the rain pattern is changed and they could not perform the right place, right time and right cropping. So this is the climate change issue. And another issue is the... Uh, the um, environment air because uh, um, last two years we are experiencing there is a so huge haze in the uh, climate and uh, we are thinking we do not have a big factories we do not have a big uh, uh, pollution creating except in big cities like Kathmandu, Pokhara otherwise there is not that much smoke uh, but uh, there is a huge haze in the mountain so that creates a kind of uh, difficulties to the farmer and also in winter there is a extreme cold and in the summer there is an extreme uh, hot so these are uh, kind of uh, bad experience to the uh, local community and the people in nepal and also crop uh, because crop failure is uh, happening frequently there is uh, uh, like low uh, income people uh, small holding farmers has to uh, uh, face these things and they will die because they do not have a food for uh, their survival. These are the major problems with, uh, with the climate-related um, effect. Yes, that's very dramatic. What kind of projects, can you talk a little bit about how you, how you, where you focus and give us maybe some examples of projects that you, 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 you work on to try and deal with these problems? Uh, yes, we are working, uh, basically we are combining three things together, uh, agriculture, health and education and the cross-cutting issue is the environment always. Uh, either it is a health or uh, education or agriculture. So we are combining these things. Uh, what we are doing is we are uh, especially uh, doing our innovation instead of bringing the concept from outside, we are doing our innovation. Like uh, there is, uh, I will name few innovation, like uh, uh, if we are a human being, we are contributing 10 minute donation. Every human should contribute for others 10 minutes, especially for the environment issue. And the second thing we are uh, uh, considering the gender because we have a gender discrimination quite high, so we are considering the gender and the energy also. Uh, we are uh, considering the energy, uh, like renewable energy, basically we are focusing on renewable energy. So just talking about the project, we have the Agroforest Resource Center, just I'll take an example of the uh, example project. We have created a community-led Agroforest Resource Center. The idea behind is uh, the uh, to be self-sustained uh, with the uh, uh, community, with the, their resources. 
like uh, there is a huge uh, load on forest because many people have sustained on the forest and they have a livestock they have a small agriculture so we are combining this and basically there is a four ideas uh, the problem in nepal is young people or if they study class 10 they never like to go to their back to their field because they consider they are educated people but they never consider there might be young farmers so they can do on farm so we are trying to uh, motivate the young people uh, to stay at farm uh, like it is an agroeconomy to boost the agroeconomy or eco uh, this green economy and second thing is we are trying to promote the sustainable crop like uh, we are dividing in threefold crop that is a fast growing crop where people can immediately earn a little bit of money and second is a middle type of uh, uh, crop where they can secure the food sustainability or food security and then third is the long-term crop where they invest and then their uh, um, sibling also can benefit out of that and there uh, it is less labor intensive first year or second year for in the beginning they have to invest a little bit so but they can uh, sustain longer term and the, also the environment can uh, um, uh, benefit from it so uh, it is an environment resilient crop like we are uh, more promoting the tree cropping so uh, we are uh, trying to crop in three layers so utilizing a small land and biointensive method so these are uh, this is the one project what we are doing and second is educating the people on environment issue because people do not know what, why this is happening because they uh, experience the uh, crop failure or hot environment or extreme cold environment but they never know about why it is happening so we are trying educating the people about uh, why it is happening, about the climate change and adaptation, how they should adopt it, because we can't leave it. So we have to adopt it and mitigate it. So we are teaching on that. And third thing is because of this, there is a huge health impact. So we are trying to educate the people how we cope with these health uh, measures. So on this, we are designing the different projects. All right, very interesting. Now I'd like to talk a little bit more about the agroforestry in a moment, but I just, can you talk a little bit about the, the general context and the, the Him, Him, Himalayas and how, yeah. how they're being impacted at the moment by uh, environmental uh, change and, and, and global warming? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, if you, yeah, I will divide it in three regions, like we have mountain, mid-hill and the Tarai. So, uh, because this um, global impact uh, in Nepal is a uh, uh, little bit different than I think, it is uh, similar to the all mountain countries, but we have a, a little bit different. We are uh, sort of water, because all the water source is shrinking, and uh, the mountain, which is tower of the water source, is uh, melting. So, it is uh, um, our water uh, system is uh, sort of disturbed the first thing and second is uh, uh, due to the uh, this uh, rainfall or water system there is an impact on crop pattern because it's still uh, 63 or 64 percent of uh, nepali people um, uh, relying on the agriculture so the crop pattern is changed because uh, of this climate change and um, uh, this global warming uh, effect and uh, third thing is uh, uh, people are not aware of it 
So they are uh, not uh, able to cope with it or adapt with it. People uh, wait for their regular um, routine and then uh, more harm is on that that uh, they can uh, uh, grow the similar crop and uh, agriculture is not uh, commercialized or agriculture is not um, uh, thinking about the uh, source of alternative income, people are still on uh, uh, self-sustaining stage, and this is a kind of uh, not uh, uh, really uh, the alternative uh, source of energy or uh, agroeconomy. So people are thinking it's just for giving. So uh, more and more people are leaving their field aside and going for the labor to the Middle East or other countries. And there is a three type of brain drain uh, together with the climate change effect because uh, the relation is due to the climate change as global warming, the production is less and people are kind of uh, fed up with this and they will go for labor. And then they go either to the cities or outside. And this land remains uh, uh, unproductive. So that is the kind of uh, cycle uh, effect. And uh, the production is less. And we are more and more dependent on the outside because um, like uh, 20 years before, we are exporter of rice. Now we are importing rice. So these are the major global uh, impact. And secondly, in environment, our mountain is melting. The river uh, system is uh, kind of changed. So we are suffering from the flood, we are suffering from the drought and uh, more uh, water problem like uh, um, this water source are shrinking. So uh, huge villages are, uh, there is a uh, waterless, so they have to move. So many uh, villages have to shift down or other place due to lack of water. So without water, they can grow or they can drink. So these are the uh, global uh, warming impact in Nepal. Yeah, very interesting. Now, you talk about education, uh, and I, I, I guess uh, multiple threads to that, as, as you say, the, the, the source of the problems, but also, I guess, new uh, farming uh, ways uh, and so forth. How, can you talk a little bit about that? Presumably, it, uh, from what you're saying, it's an older population, and yeah. presumably also it's uh, maybe there, there are farmers who've never really had a, beyond a certain level of education, um, can you talk a little bit about uh, how you approach that and, and how, how they respond to, 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 to the information and knowledge and, 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 and so forth? Uh, well, uh, because we are working in two fold of education. Uh, there is uh, one is a formal education and a, uh, another is an informal education. Uh, let me talk first the informal education with the farmers. So uh, normally with the farmers, we are... Uh, providing our innovative ideas as a form of education, like how to uh, do the better farming with the limited resources. And we are training them uh, about the technique and technology and uh, improvement on the um, farming system. Uh, and uh, also we are connecting with the health education, how uh, they consume the things and uh, how the, they fulfill their nutrition value. And second is uh, uh, in the same, in uh, informal education, we are trying to people educate on the climate change and its effect and the uh, future impact on their life. Uh, so the youth gen uh, young generation is out and uh, elderly people are not really uh, the um, uh, changing condition because their mindset is uh, 
set forth for the long term. So it's uh, very difficult to change their mindset. So we are uh, doing the demonstration uh, uh, to them. So like establishing different nurseries, different uh, demo plots and different agroforest resource center. So people can come there and it's a kind of indirect type of education. They will learn, oh, these things happen. We can do that and they will replicate that. This is a, a kind of informal education. And second thing is we are intervening direct to the school formal education. And we are trying to teach our school students more innovative and more vocational um, uh, type of education. So we are working with the school and uh, trying to bring our students to the resource center or agroforest resource center. And then they will learn. In the our slogan is uh, they will sleep with the uh, international news or what is happening in the uh, um, uh, go globe, uh, so in the agriculture or environment, and then in the morning they will do the practice. What uh, them, how the agriculture works? They will go with the spade and they will learn uh, with the agriculture. And third thing is we are demonstrating the different crop. Like in Nepal, we uh, import all the nuts, all the fruits. So we are trying to demonstrate you can grow fruit here, you can grow the nuts here. So we are promoting the, um, in the in the beginning, we are promoting few trees and they will see it, okay, it can fruits and they will more uh, replicating or they will upcycling this uh, uh, system. So that is uh, informal education. In formal education, what we are doing is we are promoting in a scholarship uh, scheme. So the people who cannot afford uh, to the school or due to this stationary problem or uh, income problem, we are supporting them in one uh, side. And other side, we are trying to uh, empower them uh, as a skill-based education or knowledge-based education. When they finish the education, they can go either uh, their choice. Like they can go in agriculture, they can go in uh, industry or whatever. They, like if somebody likes to be a doctor or somebody likes to be a mechanics or somebody likes to a mason. So that sort of education we are trying to give uh, in, uh, through the school. So we are in the moment we are school, uh, working with about uh, uh, 45 schools uh, and uh, delivering our ideas uh, that school students should uh, learn about the skill and we are uh, trying to fix the school uh, learning center as agriculture or other things. So this is how we are working in education in both fields. That's great, great work. Um, how, how large is Ecohamana? How, is, how has it developed over time? I mean, you talked about roots in Austria and then you set up a local uh, operation in, 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 you know, in, in, in Kathmandu. Um, how many people do you employ and, and how does our, you know, work with you in various capacities? And uh, could you talk a little bit about scale of your operations? Uh, okay, uh, it's a very good question. Uh, we are working a little bit in different approach. So uh, we have a less employee. Ecohimal Nepal now is uh, uh, not as a big organization. We are uh, a small organization, but uh, our idea is we should create some model and that should be replicated by others. So instead of being a big organization or investing in overhead, we are trying to be a small and uh, to put more effort on the community. So in the moment we have uh, about 35 staff members, uh, regular and few are part-time and um, board of directors. So uh, we are not that big and we are working about 10 uh, districts in Nepal. 
know, directly or indirectly. So uh, our idea is more, we are involved in the local communities. So uh, just to give you an example, we are working in Sulukhumbu. So there is a, we established agroforest resource center and it is a different entity. And there, there is a farmer's group and the women's group and the, this um, um, cooperatives. So all these are working, so we are supporting. Actually, um, uh, in one sector, there is an involvement of at least uh, uh, 50, 60 people or 100 people, but they are not direct paid. So we are mobilizing more and more to beneficiaries instead of staff to reduce the overhead. And in many cases, we uh, working in a zero overhead means uh, we don't put any organizational cost. We don't put any staff cost because the money, whatever we can raise or whatever we have money, we utilize directly to the local community so our idea in the moment is uh, to uh, mobilize the beneficiaries themselves so instead of paying them we are uh, kind of generating uh, the their uh, capacity or enhancing their uh, capacity so this would work and they act as a ambassador to the local community so we have a lead farmers we have a farmers groups cooperative uh, agroforestry resource center mostly we are mobilizing that so we are uh, having a small team of staff member a small uh, very nominal overhead and nominal offices uh, so uh, we are we consider very small organization but our working channel is quite a huge so huge so we are now working with the, about um, uh, 4000 uh, uh, household in one place and another 6,000 household in another place. So all together uh, in a different project, we are working with uh, uh, 60,000 households uh, in the moment. Right. So uh, yeah. a population, about uh, 300,000 population. Right. That's very interesting. Can you talk about um, uh, any lessons that you've uh, learned about, because um, this idea of ambassadors sounds like a very powerful way. Uh, presumably some of these, you know, traditional ways people have been doing things for a long time. Um, new ideas sometimes take a while to, to get embedded, to, to, to create change, or, and, and even to get, you know, for other people to copy or to, to get spread. What's been your experience in terms of uh, farmers and, and communities learning and, and, and sharing and the spread of ideas? Uh, yeah, uh, well, normally we uh, tried in the beginning with the big uh, staff members. So in the beginning, what we thought is our staff can change the community. So we are sending a number of staffs in the community. So during our working tenure, what we learn is it is not the staff to change. It is the local community that change, they should change themselves. So uh, with this, our idea, what we uh, are experiencing is it is a little bit difficult in the beginning. So in the beginning, we have to put more effort uh, to convince them, to change them. And the, basically, we need the sort of demonstration or replica to show them. Once they uh, see it or they experience it, and it is more powerful uh, tool that they will be a kind of change initiator themselves. So uh, just I will give an example to you. We started... Uh, this uh, gender sensitive toilet construction in the local uh, community as a uh, environment uh, project so to clean the environment uh, to stop the open defecation and we learned that 60 years women doesn't like to use the toilet because it's like a case for her so uh, when she tries it because she think 
how can I uh, uh, do my toilet within this small case? Or how can I take a bath in a small um, uh, room? So uh, it is a, a kind of a difficult situation that to convince her. Once she convinced, so whole community easily convinced. And second example, uh, we did some operation uh, with this uh, uh, uterine prolapse case. In the beginning, it's so difficult to find women are suffering in that case. But once we find a few model women and we brought them and we did the operation and they were they came uh, to village and with a healthy life and they started telling the people, then there was a huge number of people that they explored themselves. I have this problem. I can cure myself. So similarly in the cooking stove, in the beginning, we have an open hearth um, this cooking stove system. So there is a kind of ritual that people doesn't like to change that. So we started with the improved cooking stove. We started uh, uh, kind of uh, demonstrate to the people. Okay, you see here the benefit of this and benefit of that. So uh, it takes a time, but once it is uh, the local community is convinced and the replication is uh, very fast and the impact is very nice. Yeah, that's very positive, very inspiring to hear. Can you talk a little bit about your um, your evolution, uh, Narayan? As as, as uh, you've been in the organization for um, well more than twenty years, um, uh, and, and you've taken on increasingly a management role. Can you talk a little bit about how you found being a manager and how you found working and, and building a, a team with you? Uh well, I what I consider is I still I am not a manager. I am the worker. <laughs> what I consider myself is because uh, why I uh, say that is uh, uh, normally management is a, a very easy tool if we have a convincing uh, team. Uh, one thing. So uh, as a manager, uh, first I like to uh, convince the people. Uh, about the uh, need and the aspiration of the local community, what we are what we are doing, or what we like to do exactly. That is a one thing as a manager. Second thing is uh, management is a very uh, crucial thing if we can do and efficiently and uh, convince the people. Like uh, uh, if we get the phone and if we like to buy a Pajero in Kathmandu, as you know, in Kathmandu, then the donor will not convince. So we are trying to manage uh, very efficiently and transparent. That is a thing what I am doing with my team. And second thing is, uh, whatever we are doing, I like to create a picture in my brain. So if we are doing something in some village, I never uh, uh, rely on the uh, distance things. So I like to visit that. I like to go inside with the community. I like to discuss with the community, exactly find their need, uh, what they like, what they doesn't like. and. Uh, uh, so that is a uh, second thing uh, what we really enter in the community so uh, what I consider is uh, uh, I am not as a uh, manager so I, I can have a, a nice chair I can have a better facilities or things like that so my management system as a leader is uh, within this uh, long period uh, first I consider I'm a worker so I have to go there if people sit on a mat I have to sit on the mat if people eat uh, uh, the their raw food i have to eat the raw food so it is the uh, adopting uh, system in the beginning so that is one thing and second thing is uh, uh, utilization of the resources how much resources we have and how we utilize it and what the what is the purpose of the resources 
uh, either it is a financial or human resources, I like to utilize that resources in exact place, uh, exact people. So that is the uh, second thing. And third thing is the time and the um, transparency uh, in which time what we are planning and what exactly we like to perform in that time and what we have a constraint and the strength on that so that we have to consider and uh, uh, we are trying to uh, manage uh, through the local community if we have a fund like for example if we are constructing a school so we are not going to buy the things like cement or rods we empower the local people we form the community like construction committee and we deliver the money to them so that is their duty to buy and then they will manage themselves so mostly i am delegating my management skill to the others so it is more easy to me uh, that i can only uh, control so instead of managing everything from our side, eco-imal side as a whole, we are trying to deliver our management skill to the local community. So after the project, it is more sustainable that they can manage their project themselves. So uh, we are uh, basically considering three principles this management in management, we should, it, is, it should be the sustainable, it should be people should own it, manage, they should manage and own it, and third is their capacity and institutional development should be built. So on that base, we are trying to um, how we say, build our management system, and what, how I am managing is mostly uh, through the local community, not directly ours, so we, our play a role is like controlling or uh, supporting them as a facilitator. Right, very interesting. Can you talk a little bit about the, the, the power dynamics in the villages? You work in communities, presumably within villages. Um, where does the power lie? You talked about some of the gender issues as well, uh, you know, uh, uh, how, how to include women and, and young people and make sure that they, they, they have more say. Uh, yes, it is a very uh, interesting uh, it depends in Nepal, there is a uh, different community and the power uh, center is in different position. Uh, especially in Nepal is a male dominated uh, society, so it's still a patriotic society. But in some community, uh, it is uh, uh, a little bit different. So there is a uh, women are more empowered, like if we talk about the Serpa community uh, and Tamang community, there is a uh, women are more empowered. But it's still the power system stays with the uh, head of house and that is the father uh, so normally uh, the especially male uh, decides the things so what we did is uh, um, in the past is we try to convince or empower women alone so um, for few years we tried to empower women like uh, giving them training giving some resources and giving some um, other uh, immunities to them but it didn't work and we try to review why we are doing so much with the women and why it did not work. So uh, after that, what we found is the power remains in other place because power remains to the men. So uh, even we empower the women, there was a conflict because uh, without permitting by the men to come out of the house to men, so it never can happen. Even if we empower, that is the conflict. So we concluded that, okay, we have to take together both male and female and power center and less power center. So we try to con uh, kind of train uh, the men also. 
So we work together with the men and women. Of course, we are separating the, uh, for the capacity and for the equity. We are separating the groups and we are dividing them, but we are working together. So we, uh, we were able to break the power center that uh, the, the men realize, okay, women has uh, this capacity. Women have this potential. They can do that. Uh, for example, they, they cultivate the maize just corn and um, give you an example and uh, they have to bring the um, seed they have to bring the manure they have to um, do the weeding and everything and they have to harvest it when the maize or corn comes to their home and uh, the first uh, thing uh, like uh, if you like to eat the male have to eat first if you like to sell the male will take the money in their pocket so that thing we broke it in the beginning now uh, whenever we are working uh, there is a kind of system that okay the women has a right to use these resources so we are forming different women groups and empowering them women cooperatives so uh, uh, that is the basic idea how we did so in general if you if we talk still where is the power center is the with male so we change our strategy working and basically i am uh, very concerned about the gender not only in the working phase even in talking phase because we call chairman we call um, like um, um, in many places, there is a Nepali language. It is so gender discriminating language. So we are first mind our language. We are first uh, reserving the places. Like if there is a, a committee or something like that, we like to uh, fix the women's position. Like uh, if there is a five position, they have to reserve at least two positions for the women and that should be decision making position. So in the field, we are working with the women in threefold principle. Uh, one is a capacity building of the women uh, together with the male without uh, bringing any conflict in the community. Our second thing is uh, allow them the resources because we are uh, trying to give some seed money or start a small microfinance or start a small uh, entrepreneurs uh, system like uh, giving some uh, goat or giving some chicken or farming or things like that or a small shop the house and our third thing is uh, institutionalize them because if there is, they are alone they will not can, they can't be able to work so we are a type of building the institution and then our fourth thing is harmonize the relation in between the conflicting party like male and female or uh, child and elder or youth and elder people uh, this is the idea what we are uh, working on it and especially in agriculture it is a little bit difficult because still women have a whole workload because youth are out, uh, elderly people are not able to work uh, in the field and women are there. So we are empowering women and uh, we are trying to uh, give them the opportunity or innovation that uh, less poorer uh, and less uh, uh, labor intensive farming. And so that can benefit for the longer period. Oh, very important work and very interesting to, to see how you've had that, to adapt and respond to the conditions. Just one last question here, I don't know. How big an influence do Western values have, do you think, uh, on, on Nepal or the areas that you're working and how do they, uh, do, do they occasionally uh, uh, conflict with traditional values or how does that all play out? Uh, in the beginning, it was quite huge because normally uh, we were not able to create our innovation. So we are bringing the uh, Western innovation and uh, uh, trying to fix it here. So uh, during the course of working, what we realize is it, it should be swell suit. 
if uh, you are trying to do something, it should be fit here. So in the moment, uh, we are trying to innovate our uh, innovation, our um, ideas, and uh, normally uh, we are not uh, pushing that uh, to the community that you should do it. We are trying to empower the community what exactly they need and what they like to do and what is the uh, changes um, they like to see. So that is one thing. So. It is uh, less uh, influential in the moment. And second thing is, uh, uh, like, uh, uh, we have uh, uh, indigenous knowledge. We have a traditional practice. So we are not trying to uh, enforce the uh, improved knowledge, but we are kind of synchronizing. We are trying to um, keep the traditional knowledge and like uh, uh, try to improve it improve it and uh, use it. So that is another idea, so uh, there is a, a minimize. But still there are so many donor uh, influence projects. Like if we apply for some donors, especially the bigger donors, they have already fixed ideas. Okay, you should do this, 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 and uh, if you do this, you will get the fund. So there is a fixed things, but uh, um, organization like us is a small organization and we like to work in our system is a little bit difficult to get uh, this bigger funding so we are not working especially in the huge uh, bigger funding like uh, you yes, or yes, that's other a, funding yes that's what i wanted to talk to you about finally really is yeah. uh, you mentioned uh, lots of new uh, organizations or new parts of echo Hamal being set up in different parts of the world can you talk a little bit about uh, your partnerships and funding and how that's evolved. Uh, it's a very interesting because our partnership funding is a very small organization. We are small, so we are working with a small. Like I, I like to give an example of the Glacier Trust. It is a small organization and a very low cost overhead. And people are working volunteer there. So uh, it is very fruitful that uh, we have a similar principle. We are not trying to earn ourselves. We are trying to change the local community with a small initiation. So, uh, because uh, the one very good thing what I'd like to mention is our principle is uh, the money what we raise uh, should go to the uh, mon uh, people where we intend. Like, uh, just to give you an example, if we say the local community of the these people, they have this problem. And if we utilize that money in other way around, so that is not justice. So with the small organization, we are working on a justice base and we have a similar principle, similar thinking, and similar opinion, but we are doing more changes than the bigger organization. That's very interesting. How, how many organizations do you... Uh, are you partnering with and uh, in uh, in the moment we have about 10 10 organization we are partnering with so we are the implementing partner here and uh, um, uh, 10 organization is supporting it's not a big projects but a small small project the bigger project are is about 450000 euro the biggest one is and the smallest one yeah, even we are working with 10000 uh, pound or 10,000 euros that these are the small size project. Yes, and I, I, I know uh, you've had some uh, new initiatives. You've, you've, uh, your coffee initiative, uh, I bought some of your coffee. Thank you, very nice. You talk a little bit about what, what your thinking is there, um, how it works and whether it's something you're going to continue in the future. 
Uh, yeah, we are thinking now we are more focused on environment, health and education and considering the together with the environment, agriculture. So now more and more we are fo focusing on sustainable uh, tree cropping because this is the pension crop the, and utilizing the marginal land and more environment sustainable and uh, uh, trying to uh, educate people how to uh, adopt and how to mitigate the environment problem, this global warming problem. Right. And the coffee, can you just talk a little bit about um, what your plans are there? How, how does it work? Who, who profits from it? Uh, I mean, what's it mean for the local economy? Uh, that's a very good question. Uh, local economy, normally we are trying uh, in two ways. One is, uh, first, we have a, um, uh, very difficulties on the self-sustaining. Because people have only three months or six months food sufficiency, then they have to rely on the outside of the food. So first we are trying to self-sufficient to them, either from their produce or they can sell and they can compensate the food. So cash crop or um, high value crop we are promoting so they can self-sustain. And uh, second thing is we are trying to more uh, focus on uh, organic uh, things because it will be environment sustain and green economy because they can sell. And third thing is we are trying to link the market, better market. The problem in Nepal is we sell, if we have a product, the huge market problem is we sell the raw because they're never having any uh, finished product. So that's why we are trying to keep the money in the village. Like I just give you a short example, like we produce the coffee and we sell parchment. If we can make a green bean and roast the coffee, the 90% income stays in the village. But we are selling parchment and the huge income goes outside and the middle millmen will earn that money. That sort of thing we are trying to do now. Yes, yes. What's next, Narayan? What's next? Uh, have you any projects on the horizon? Maybe a few more coffee, uh, uh, more coffee, uh, anything else? Uh, yeah, we are trying to do uh, the next thing is, you know, with the environment resilient uh, cropping system. Uh, one is uh, we are trying to uh, long-term um, uh, plants like uh, coffee, uh, trees, uh, fruit trees, nuts. We are promoting hugely nuts now because we are importing a huge amount of nuts in Nepal. And second thing is we are dividing in three-fold um, agriculture uh, with the environment. So we like to utilize less land and more products uh, so to uh, sustain the small holding farmers. And third thing what we are trying is uh, we are trying to develop the environment resilient crop system. So um, less uh, water intensive, less manure intensive, and less labor intensive. That is our plan, and we are working together with many organizations um, in this system. And uh, I think uh, we'll focus more and more on that so we can cope with the global warming and the uh, environment system and empower the people for the self-sustaining and sustainable development. Very important work. I wish you the very best of success with your ongoing work and for all the great work you've done over the years. Thank you so much. And thank you for sharing it all with us today on the Inspiring Social Entrepreneurs podcast. Yes, thank you for giving me this opportunity. It's my really uh, uh, great pleasure to talk with you and share something what we are doing and what we are trying to do in future. Thank you, Narayan. Thank you for listening to the Inspiring Social Entrepreneur podcast. I hope you found this interview inspiring. Please make sure to visit www.inspiringsocialentrepreneurs.com and subscribe to make sure you don't miss any future podcasts.